When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on First Edition, got a little behind-the-scenes episode about the publishing phenomenon of the summer. Into the Fall, still selling number two, I saw this week, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Now, don't, I'm not talking to Rebecca Yaros. I'm talking with two women from Red Tower Books who are part of making the book. Molly Majumdar, who's the editorial director for Red Tower, and Stacey Abrams, who's the VP of Operations. This is the first book out from Red Tower. There's a whole bunch to know. Really excited to have them on. So listen to get a little backstory about this book, how publishing works, how their company works, and really what it's like to, to ride the wave of a huge hit. Let's get into it. I've got Stacey Abrams, Molly Majumdar from Red Tower. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff about TikTok, romanticy, marketing, spreads, the whole thing. But I want to start at the highest level, Molly, and that is, how did you guys get involved with Romanticy? What should I know about the past and present of Romanticy? Well, Romanticy in and of itself isn't very new because like fantasy has always had romantic subplots. When you think of like, even if you think of like back in the day when you have Robin Hobb or when you have Jacqueline Carey, like there's always been like the best fantasies always have romantic subplots. It's just that I think now what we're doing is we're seeing fantasy move into more romance tropes and into a romance structure. And I think that's what we're referring to as as romanticy now. Uh, we've had um, authors like Lee Bardugo and Sarah J. Maas really like popularize the, the genre. But of course, even I would say going back to like Cassandra Clare mm. and like this is a long and storied uh, genre that like simply is having its moment in the sun, I think, right yeah. now. So. so maybe it's fantasy with a romance. It's romance with a... Is that a helpful way of thinking about the order of import, Stacey? Or what do you think about how those tropes and stories that have existed, there's something different though, right? So what is what makes it contemporary romantic or identifiable as such? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is a guaranteed happily ever after. And when I say that, that is not a spoiler yes. for any of our series going forward. Um, but what romance fans know they are getting when they come to the genre is everything's going to be okay in the end. And it might take a lot of books to get there and a lot of people may die along the way. But at the end of the day, you know, you are going to get a happily ever after. And we've always seen romance readers come to our genre because they want to believe in a happily ever after. And I think in this sort of post pandemic world, we're really looking for a little bit of that comfort while simultaneously maybe looking to get away from mm. the real world a little bit. And what romanticy does is give you all of that. You can be riding on a dragon up above the sky, but simultaneously know 
you're, you're going to get that happily ever after at the end. The reason I'm having you all talk to me about this is because Red Tower has the book of the moment in this space, maybe at all right now. Many people have said Fourth Wing got them back into reading fantasy. And if the next big fantasy they pick up is from one of our quote unquote competitors, they're reading and we're thrilled by that. Our competitor is TikTok. Our competitor mm-hmm. is Netflix. Our competitor is People Magazine. Anything that sort of takes people out of reading. And not that I don't love all of those things. <laughs> Voracious Netflix and People Magazine reader over here. But we want to look at other forms of entertainment and what is sort of drawing our readers away from reading. Is it makeup tutorials on TikTok? Is mm. it, and how can we capitalize on what is entertaining people at this moment and bring them back to reading books. One of the things that inspired the Red Tower line was the success of book box subscriptions. This is technically within book publishing, but a very different sort of parallel business to ours. We love book boxes. We sell our content into book boxes. They have an amazing reach and they just do the most gorgeous books that you've ever seen, but they have some limitations. And so one of the ideas in starting Red Tower was to sort of bring the beauty of a book box book sort of to the masses, so to speak, making them a little bit more affordable, making them just as beautiful with lots of bells and whistles, making the stories, of course, uh, unparalleled and allowing people to pick and choose. Though we hope People love Red Tower and they want to pre-order every book we do. They're not beholden to a subscription. They can pick and choose based on what books appeal to them. So that was sort of where we're pulling from what we see in all different forms of media to appeal to readers of of all different A couple things. I think there's a couple things there. The book box subscription, I think for a lot of readers, if you're into it, if if you don't, a lot about books, because a lot of it's... It can be pretty hardcore genre, right? Especially in the fantasy space. Like you get mm-hmm. fantasy dedicated boxes. And they're very much a book is object focused experience, right? You open it and you it's beautiful. The book is beautiful. You get some other stuff that's beautiful. It's very themed. It's very shareable, right? And I want to get back to the TikTok thing in a minute and the social sharing. But book is object clearly became for fourth wing and then assistant to the villain, which is doing very well right now part of the packaging process, right? Where the book and reading experience is primary. You want a good entree, but you want the good mashed potatoes and cream spinach at the steakhouse as well. You want the (laughs) whole experience to feel enriched. So was was Fourth Wing the first with the full package you did with this? Or how did this evolve out of kind of publishing normal books I'm going to see at Barnes & Noble that look like other books to not looking like other books? Yeah, so once again, it was about filling a gap in the market. So like Red Tower is an a new adult imprint, which is also which was a gap in the market that we were noticing that people were aging out of YA and mm-hmm. wanted something else. And then the whole the whole thing with book boxes and special editions that was happening. And so like so it was kind of everything that came together. And yes, Fourth Wing was it was the launch book of the Red Tower imprint. So it was the first one that we did. And let me tell you, like, we were, of course, like, we knew what a special read we had because, I mean, like, everybody in-house, like, the excitement 
that was coming through like from from sales people from booksellers from early reviewers from international from people who like were buying subrights like we sold it into 11 countries <laughs> right and so like we knew that we had something really special and so we did want to like put together a package with like love and care because ultimately mm. at the end of the day like we're book people right and like certain so and we're a small publisher and we can really like give each book like the mm. focus and the attention to like really make it shine so we knew we had like an exemplary story like the once in the decade kind of story and and so we wanted to do justice to that we wanted to put it in a package we wanted to put it in sprayed and stenciled edges and like like really give it the best shot that we could it's, it's a beautiful true. object and i came to find out about it a little bit later like post publication post it starting to mm-hmm. sell out i'd be fascinated mm-hmm. to hear what the experience is like because it's a lot of publishers i talked to a lot of publishers we all, they all love books and every now and again they have one they think is special and sometimes it goes great and sometimes it doesn't. You don't always know. Like William Goldman says, I don't know. It's no one knows anything, but there's variance, right? You can feel like you've got mm-hmm. something great and you can be totally surprised. It feels yeah. like you you all had both. Like you thought it was going to do well, but just judging mm-hmm. from the print runs and being out of stock, like it, it did beyond what you thought. So could you t- walk me through like, like public, was it pre, at what point did you know you had something even beyond what you God, God, I hope you, you, I can't imagine you even had hoped for something like this. A lot of people were screaming at me, get me more books, get me more books. And what I think the general public didn't realize is the books kept coming in and then going back out before they had even hit the shelves. So for a very long time, it appeared as though there there was no stock when actually it was moving so quickly through the supply chain that the general person who walked into Barnes and Noble was told it was sold out time and time again. So it it was an interesting time (laughs) and thrilling though, truly for me, um, learned a lot about paper and supply chain and distribution channels. But when we set the first print run for the sprayed and stenciled edges, it was an aggressive run for us. Mm-hmm. Like Molly said, we are a small publisher. Anything that is into a six-figure run for us is a large investment. And the beautiful package that you see is not necessarily cheap. Right. So we felt very strongly that we had an aggressive, market-saturating amount of books going out there. And we were sold out in one week. I mean, fully. So was it street date? Like that's when it started happening, or was it before? Did you get some pre-order stuff? You're like, oh my god, or like where was it in the, I guess, pre-post drop date uh, timeline? I mean, we had a long-range marketing plan before pub, and so we were starting to see people reading it people starting to talk about it on TikTok, starting to see pre-orders grow. What is What was very interesting was the book, as Molly said, we almost treated it as a debut in-house because right. this was Rebecca's first fantasy. Quote, unquote, no one had heard of her in this space. Mm. And so we did not put it on stripped on sale. Mm, this okay. is an industry term for you are not allowed to shelve it before its release date. There was really, at the time, no reason to do that. And so the book started being shelved much earlier than 
I would say is the norm. Interesting. We started to see some rate of movement, what, Molly, like two, three weeks ahead? Yeah, it was early. Okay. And and for a book that was not yet on sale, the (laughs) numbers were surprising. Yeah. Yeah. But it was almost and so at that point we hit a go on a very small reprint, which at the time we thought yeah. was a large reprint. <laughs> um, but we were like, oh, we might actually need a little bit more than what we thought. And our messaging has always been sprayed and stenciled edges is a first print run only. Once it's sold out, it's sold out. And so the second print run was plain edges. And by the time publication day hit, many of the retailers were asking for more and pulling whatever remaining stock was in the warehouse. And it just kind of went from there. How many people knew, how were you marketing or publicizing or communicating that the the stenciled edges were limited run, right? Because you're a new company. It's not an author people are associating with a genre because fantasy readers, they'll read the Sarah J. Mosses, they'll read all of them in a row. They're coming to Rebecca Yaris new. How did, did people know? Like, how did it come about that this became sort of a run on the bank, so to speak? You were asking about like the marketing and like a lot of it, like, yes, we did have a long tail marketing campaign, but also a lot of it happened in store. Like someone from our art team went in to buy a couple of copies for like their, for themselves and like, and the cashier, like held up the book in line and was like wait what is, what is this? this and then like everybody in line went and got a copy because everybody was like oh what is that like wow. it was so different from what was on shelves and like the gorgeous like print over foil cover and like the sprayed and stenciled edges so like that also really happened with this with because we didn't have the strict on sale mm. and so like people were just like seeing it and was like oh what is this and like kind of um and so, like, that's how we, like, knew. Okay. Like, wow. Oh, no. Fascinating. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, so I asked something else in there, Molly, and I forgot what it was because you hit me with an awesome anecdote. And now my brain is fried by Barnes & Noble's cashiers <laughs> doing your activations for you. I think we're going back a little bit just to the where you were in the cycle, but then I guess how to communicate, like, messaging about we've got a limited thing here. And mm-hmm. once they're gone, we're gone. I'm not a, a book packager and I don't know this world very well. That sounds unusual to me. Where did the idea for that come from? It's also like, it's also logistical, largely, because uh, the thing is, like, these books are printed overseas. Mm -hmm. And um, like, so, so they take time. So, you know, so like, it's not going to be possible to get like, sprayed and stenciled reprints in because there's freight and shipping in work. Right. Yeah. So like, so that's where it came from. I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. No, that's okay. No, but I mean... You could go back, Stacy, and say the second run, you know what, this is people are here for, we're going to take the time, and they're all stenciled. We had no idea that it was going to you know, be gone within the first couple of weeks. But you stuck to your guns a little bit and sounds like, well, that was the deal we made. And I mean, just by looking at book sales, it doesn't seem like it mattered that much. I mean, people are still buying it and checking it out. So mm-hmm. I guess it was the right decision, but I, I guess, was there a moment we said, oh my God, we need to make them all stenciled, or we regret not making them all stenciled? No, I think I would say we did. We always decided that we were going to spray and stencil all the books. 
And that was something that we wanted to be very clear on the packaging that the sprayed and yeah. stenciled were only going to be for a short time. So mm-hmm. if you look at our stuff on retailers, like the first thing before you see the, the back cover copy is actually the whole, the fact that this is a limited print run. That's right. why we got permission to put up the 3D image of the book so that it's very clear that like sprayed what and stenciled. Getting. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's how we fix the messaging. And now is it another book in process. But that book is coming this year. That's coming out. November, Iron Flames coming out this November. Talk to me about that decision-making process. I think it's super smart, but I'd be curious to how you came to this timing, how that came from editing the collaborative process, because that's hard to pull off, right? Yeah. I mean, you are not wrong that it is not easy or simple, but we have always prided ourselves on being an agile publisher and being able to move quickly. This is a, the Empyrean series, Rebecca Yaros's series is plotted for five books Mm -hmm. and the whole series was plotted before the first one was ever written. So that helps uh, knowing exactly where you're going. Mm. Rebecca is an amazing author who is very committed to this and was ready to roll up her sleeves and move quickly. And we've just seen, again, I would say, looking at other forms of media, a Netflix show that just sort of drops all Mm -hmm. at once and is bingeable. This is about as close to bingeable as you can get is every book every six months. Yeah. So sort of wanting to give people the opportunity to read the books in close succession without giving too much away. Book one ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Right. And we have seen that interest grow with book two. People, oh my God, can November come fast enough? But yeah, so one of the struggles is, like Molly said, the stenciled edges require overseas printing. So for book two, it will be sprayed. Mm-hmm. The edges are a dark black, but they will not have those beautiful dragons on them. We are printing it sort of in a mix of domestic and in Europe. Yeah. So that is one of the cons. Our publisher, Liz, would tell you that the editing was, it was unique. Intense. She, she, I'm she, imagining it was intense. <laughs> Yeah. She has been very open about this. Rebecca essentially moved into her house for three to four weeks, I think, as they were finished. I would read that book, by the way, if someone wants to do a short story or a series about moving in with your publisher for four weeks to finish the second book. So the second book, and I'm a huge fantasy series. Yeah, but I think I, it speaks to sort of the the level of engagement that we mm-hmm. have. We're small. We're fully women-owned. Like We are really involved in every aspect from the editing to the packaging to the art to the marketing. Yeah. Um, even if that means inviting an author into our homes to get it done. So, and I will just say people are in for quite the ride with Iron Flame. It is going to knock I can, I can only imagine in terms of that, what the cad- a cadence, right? I joke on the Book Riot podcast I've been hosting for a million years. I have something called O'Neill's Razor, which I don't start a series until it's finished because mm-hmm. I was sitting around waiting for the last Harry Potter books and I didn't enjoy that experience. And mm-hmm. I would have been on the ultimate hook of Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I am on the hook for In Name of the Wind, the King Killer mm-hmm. Chronicle of Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. again, 
you don't know what series is going to take off in that model, right? If unless you're going to bet a lot, you're going to put a lot of chips, whether that's your CEO's time or marketing or other things. You don't know when it's going to be early in the process. You have to commit early so that you're moving the whole timeline up, essentially the editing and writing the process. But then, if one thing that TikTok has taught us with the Colleen Hoover, especially, is one thing that makes it that phenomenon unique is there was a huge backlist, right? This was not Dan mm-hmm. Brown with the Da Vinci Code with like one book that people go check that if once they got it. There were a bunch of them, self-published, digital, and we saw, you like the one, you're going to go hoover the rest of them up. And I don't know if this was a pre-streaming phenomenon people just didn't know about or streaming, you know, this the show of the summer of suits on Netflix, apparently, because it's just there and you get started, you can do them all and you have one ready to go. Did you talk at all about interval? Was like, what's the right interval? Is it six months? Is it a year? I think, is it about, it's about four months. Is that right? Do I have that right from fourth wing? Uh, it's May no. to November. May to so. November. So more like six months, right? Did you talk about an ideal or that's just as soon as you could practically do it? Was it a practical thing or more calculating? I think it was a mix of both, but like yeah, basically okay. practical because we do have other books. We knew we had something special. Like Molly said, I don't know if we had any idea it was going to do exactly what it did, but we had been in the process already of um, reprinting a lot of her backlist. She had a an old, you mentioned Suits, an mm-hmm. older show that, that came back. Rebecca had a book called The Things We Leave Unfinished yep. that sort of blew up on TikTok um, about a year ago. People started discovering it and loving it. And because of the success of that book, many different retailers, including Target and Walmart, we're starting to pick up her contemporaries. Mm-hmm. And so you can't 100% think of Fourth Wing in a vacuum too. She was growing and getting an audience for these other books as well. So certainly this is every author's dream, right? right? To go viral and find a huge audience. But she was perhaps a little bit prepared more than most because she had been slowly growing in a very organic way with these other books. So I'm guessing with Iron Flame, you're not going to have a flexible street date. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal. Join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. 
these, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. You, that's is that going to be a day and date? You're going to you got to hold those. They're going to hold on to those suckers. You can't let those go yeah. if they get to the yeah. Barnes and Noble and Poughkeepsie <laughs> a, a couple weeks early. It has a very strict on sale. It is strictly <laughs> embargoed. I've learned a lot about and writing NDAs oh, God, <laughs> for yeah. our foreign publishers, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that it is kept very much under wraps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a combination of things I want to ask you about here on the marketing positioning side. So Molly, you mentioned you're looking at tropes, you're looking at what's going on, you're looking at gaps in the market. Give me an example of how you might think about what the pieces you want to put in combination to make something new here. I can give you a great example. And this is something we've actually done before on the YA side with Mm. the Crave series. So the Crave series is Paranormal Vampire. It Like we uh, kind of, that came out 10 years after Twilight. Like by the time it had died down, there wasn't yeah. really this thing. And like, and these things are cyclical, right? Like, you know, that things come back into things come mm. back into fashion and all of it. And so like, so we use that similar kind of thinking and we saw like dragons are dragons. Like dragons have been cool since the beginning of time. Time memorial, right? Yeah. And like, they're just like, everybody got saturated with dragons because of game of thrones and well the ending all of that the less said the better maybe for now (laughs) the internet can have fun with that not for us it just seemed like the right time to bring Mm. them back into the public sphere and like and especially like there was like you said there's not much happening in the na space and like like ya we were seeing kind of a shift and like seeing readers age up and like like get and also like with the higher heat levels, like there was a demand for higher heat levels in romance. Yes. Um, so like, it's just, so like when you put it all together and like now in retrospect, it kind of seems even obvious, but like that's the kind of thinking right. that we had. I was going to ask about the the spiciness factor, the heat levels. If you want to get the right heat level, how much dialing up and down did you think about? I think it also all depends on like what the author is comfortable. That's like the first thing. Okay. And I think Stacy can speak better to that because she has worked on Rebecca's contemporary stuff. Yeah. Well, I'll also just say that the line as a whole is meant to sort of run the gamut. You mentioned assistant to the villain. Also for new adults, it has, I don't want to spoil anything, but it has like a kiss. It is comparatively fairly mild. And it's interesting because I've seen some reviews of Fourth Wing that are like, oh my God, it's smut. It's nothing but sex, one star. And then you've got, um, oh my God, it it's barely anything. That, that was so tame, one star. Mm-hmm. Um Thankfully, not 
a ton of those, but people are like, not enough sex, too much sex. Yeah, you're getting on both sides, right? You're somewhere, you're getting it from both sides. So generally, I think Molly is correct. We tend to start with following the author's lead, Mm -hmm. what is right for the story, the characters, assistant to the villain is just a really cute, really funny rom-com. Fourth Wing is darker and edgier, and you've followed these characters through 400 pages or so, and you are ready to see what happens <laughs> when they finally get together. The slower and, the burn, the hotter the fire, as they say. Exactly. Yeah. And Rebecca's contemporaries certainly have amazing sex on the page, and we knew she could pull it off. We knew anyone who had read a Rebecca Yaros book before would come in expecting a certain level. And Another little anecdote for you, I feel like post-pub, we knew we had sort of reached the next level with Fourth Wing when Liz came to us and was like, we're getting the men. We watch what people are saying on Goodreads and on Amazon and on TikTok, and we were starting to get male reviews, maybe for the first time on any Entangled book. And they were positive and they weren't, oh, this is for chicks. It was this this actually was really amazing. And Mm. so that was sort of the next level. They weren't turned off by quote unquote stories about women. So, but yeah, I mean, the line is going to run the gamut. Some will be, Molly has a book coming out early next year called Sanctuary of the Shadow. Very Mm -hmm. hot, very spicy, but others will go a little bit closer to, yeah, assistant to the villain a, a little bit. But they're all for essentially new adults. If younger readers pick them up, we've been clear in the packaging on what it is. And hopefully Mm -hmm. the gatekeepers will do their jobs from there. I'd also (laughs) like to add to that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Sex on the page is not new in fantasy. No. Like that's not new. It's just that now because like I mean because it is this marrying of genre and we've already always seen like a little bit of like, you know, looking down on like romance Mm -hmm. as a genre in general. And I feel like it does come from that a little bit, but like sex on the page fantasy is not new. Like that's how we have Game of Thrones in the first place, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so like the fact that like it's getting pushed back because like there is sex. I think it's a lot less than it would have been 10 years ago. I mean, one thing I've seen as I've been doing book ride is like a different sensibility about romance in general. Like it's still not all the way there by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but commercial yeah. fiction and just there's been a lot of work done by the romance community itself, frankly, to normalize, to say this is totally fine. Shut up mm-hmm. already. Get off your high <laughs> Puritan horse. The other piece is the social media environment we live in. And it's not one that I am fluent in, to be perfectly honest. What should I know about how this was and wasn't a part of Fourth Wing, how it is it isn't part of New Adult, how it is and isn't part of Romanticy? Yeah, so the one thing that like we've got to remember, like, yes, TikTok is a big part of things, but that's because social media is... It's our common space, right? Like it's not going away and it's where people go to talk about their interests. It's where people go to talk about their books. And the idea is to create a product that people will want to talk about, Mm -hmm. right? You create a book that has that like hooks people emotionally and like, like creates that reaction where they want to go and talk about it, where they're like, please somebody read this so I can scream about it. Like we've seen so much of that on social media. And like the thing is like, yeah, like people do talk about TikTok as a marketing tool, but ultimately it's about the book. It's about creating a book that like readers can connect with. 
I think. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Publishers can try all day to market their book on Book Talk, but the the tack that we take with it really is the most that we can do is make an amazing book and hopefully put it in front of the right person. Right. Fourth Wing just took on a life of its own, really, because people started discovering it and started loving it and wanted, like Molly said, to scream about it with someone. Mm. And it sort of took on a life of its own from there. It, it was discovered in a way that I, I don't know that we'll ever be able to yeah. manufacture, right. even if we wanted to. There's sort of a tragedy um, of the commons, right? If it was replicable, everyone would do it and then no one could do it, right? Because mm-hmm. there's just only yeah. so much oxygen in the room for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like Molly said, it's a place to sort of belong. Yeah. People love it's book a place talk. To congregate. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because they can talk about a shared interest and mm-hmm. they can squee about their book boyfriends and discover something before someone else. So for Iron Flame, that comes out. The next one, I'm not going to press you on street dates or anything else like that. So what what are the things that you if you could go back to Molly and Stacy ten months ago? And send yourself a missive from the future. What do you think you'd be most surprised to hear Molly and Stacy of September 12th, 2013 saying to you? Print more books. How many <laughs> ever you think you need? Print more. You probably wouldn't even believe the message in the bottom. It's like, see, there's a typo here. That, that, that zero can't be right. What is she, what is she doing? exactly like i think that would be the number one thing because like we were like we were so scared to pull the trigger on that print run and like and my god like we were like seriously like that is the one thing we should have done we should have printed more books like two years ago it would have been a real disaster right in the middle of covid where just regular Mm -hmm. books we're having i I can only imagine that would have been a a nightmare yeah we did we did actually catch the tail end of that where because we had like to bore your listeners with logistics. No, no, that's what they're here for. If they're bored by this, they need to unsubscribe. This is what we're here for, Molly. (laughs) Yeah, so like we did catch the tail end of that because we still had like the whole ever given thing and like shipping and freight and like all of that was still happening back when we ordered this book and like when we were scheduling it at the printers and all of that. So like we did have a very long lead time between when the book was done and mm. when like it was printed and shipped to us. So, so yeah, so like we, like it wasn't like it was not a concern. I'd probably give myself that obnoxious advice that people tell someone who's about to have a baby, which is sleep get now. sleep now, <laughs> <laughs> which would not help me now. But Yeah. And it doesn't <laughs> stop. You can't stockpile it like you think you can't. It, you know, if yeah. you sleep 12 hours for 12 days, you don't get an extra two hours. You can withdraw and download into it, having had that experience myself. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. This has been must have been really so exciting. Ride. Can only imagine. And we are a shockingly small number of people. Our entire company, including part timers, is less than 30 people. Wow. And we all, down from someone who formatted some ad copy all the way up to our publisher. This is the most thrilling thing that we've ever worked on and that we're all sort of in it together and celebrating every success, no matter how large or small a part we played in it. It has been just so gratifying. It's I just can only been imagine. So it must be difficult to understand how to take it into like the business knowledge. Like, what does it mean for the company? Because on the one hand, awesome, amazing. 
On the second hand, it sounds like you all are both very cognizant of this is I'm, it's, it's a lightning in a bottle of a couple of ways. You can't build a business on phenomenon, of, at least no one has, let's put it that way. So it might be, it, it's, I, I can imagine. I being, hear your challenge, Jeff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you guys can figure it out, go with all the dollars and all the shipping containers from China full of sprayed edge books. But it must be, it's like, do you, what do you learn? What do you take? Or it's like, we did our best and we hit a home run, but we got to step up to the plate and take our hacks uh, again, has it changed anything from what the business is thinking about as possible or, or not? We are going to constantly be growing and evolving. We know, yes, of course, that it was like nothing is going to like quite match up to mm. fourth wing. But and like we've almost set ourselves an impossible standards. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to continue to like put out great books. That is going to be all you can do. Like a, yeah, the, our yeah. number one priority, but like also. Like, I think the packaging helped a lot. And so we intend to try and stay on the forefront of that packaging. Like, mm. like we are like kind of pioneering the sprayed and stencil edges for the general market. And uh, if that catches on, we're going to have to do other things to stay in front. So I, I think in a year, you're going to uh-huh. see, I mean, that, you know how the, I mean, Stacey know better than I about the, the publishing lead time is. I wouldn't be surprised if next summer you're going to see some familiar Thanks. In other times. What are we going to do then? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stay Holograms, tuned. maybe, <laughs> foil. That sounds great. All right. Stacey Abrams, Mama Jimdar of Red Tower. Thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations. I wish you the best of luck. And I hope that I, I hope Iron Flame is just as big of a hit for you all, but you also get the sleep you're you're wanting. It's it's within the spreadsheet, <laughs> Stacey. It stays, <laughs> the spreadsheet got bigger, but you're within the realm of the spreadsheet. Exactly. Thank you so much for having us. This was really fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. This was amazing. Thanks so much to Molly Majumdar and Stacey Abrams for joining me. Thanks to Red Tower for making this happen. Thanks to you for listening. If you want to follow First Edition, you can do so on Instagram. You can do so on Twitter. You can do so through the email. There are all links in the show notes there. If you've got a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. I think just next week, just going to be a short turnaround. Rebecca's coming back on. It's October time. So we're going to be doing the It Books of October. And until next time, read some great.